Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Clippers now. All right, so I got this uh, show sheet here in front of me in which we've mapped out the show segment by segment here. And basically every other segment, it just reads, say nice things about Devin Booker. <laughs> Pretty much the whole show today. Just say, ni- say what are we doing at 3 o'clock? We're saying nice things about Devin Booker. Man. And then at 4.15, we're saying nice things about Devin Booker. 5 o'clock, say really nice things about Devin Booker because he... How could you not? How could you how not? How could you say anything negative? How, how could you... Okay, we can sit here and talk about every other element of that game in this series. But when the Suns won the series four games to one against the Clippers, and Devin Booker does the things that he did in that series, I mean, it's... What else are you going to talk about, right? There are other things to talk about. But given that he's our guy, given that he's been our guy from day one, that he never once wavered to his commitment to this place, that he never once not wanted to be here, that he never once did the thing that we were all petrified he was going to do, that he was going to ask for a trade, he was going to want to go be with his friends or go be with a good organization. The fact that this is the payoff, that moments like this are the payoff for him just makes it that much sweeter because he truly is our guy here in the Valley. So right? three years ago, we were doing the show at my house right now? Yes. Yes, we were. Hadn't even gotten to the bubble yet. Right. Hadn't even gotten to the well, bubble. It wasn't even a thought in our mind yet, no. The team wasn't going to go to the playoffs. They were they were terrible that year. They weren't a good team. That was Kelly Oubre, and they made some strides, but they still were way, way below 500. Can you imagine if I would have said to you then, hey, three years from now, we're going to be doing this show, and Devin Book is going to pass Charles Barkley for the most 30-point playoff games in Suns history. He'll have 17 30-point playoff games. Uh, no. I would have said this to you three years ago that, that he will have 17 games of 30 or more points in the playoffs. If I would have said this to you when we were doing the show at our house three years ago, you would have looked at me like I had three heads. Yeah. Like, I would have said... 17, 30 points. They can't even get to the playoffs. I don't want to drink the water in your house. Why are we here? There's clearly something in it, right? Like, right. What, what are you drinking over here, right? Where, in where such a short something? amount of time, he's been able to do that. Four straight playoff games with 30 points. The second longest streak in Suns postseason history. Trail Stoudemire with five. He did it in 2005. But look at these numbers in the first round. These are just incredible. 26 points, 38 points, 45 points, 30 points, 47 points. Three three assists, nine assists, three assists, seven assists, ten assists. Four steals in one game, nine rebounds in another game. In every game, he so he had four steals in one game, three in another, three in another, two in another. You want to talk about a two-way player? Yeah. You want to talk about a guy that's not only pl- is playing at one of the highest levels out there. I can't imagine everybody's playing at a higher level than him offensively in the playoffs, but doing it on the defensive end as well, which is something we never would have ever thought either. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the impact that he's had defensively to help his team. Yeah, they've given up a lot of points, and defensively as a team, they have not been good. But that's not on him. He's played really hard on defense. He has. Uh, it was a very funny moment on TNT last night. I, I watched it through social media because I was at the game, but anybody who was watching the game on the Turner Sports Network. So Booker does the post post-game interview with the inside the NBA crew. There's Shaq, there's Kenny, there's Ernie, there's Chuck. And at the very end of the interview, they're like, oh, by the way, congratulations, you just passed Charles Barkley for the most 40-point playoff games in the history of the Suns organization. And it was just great inside the NBA TV banter. Tonight, Devin Booker passes Charles Barkley for the most 40-point uh, in the Suns 
Congratulations. Thank you. History. Thank yes. you. You yes. passed the bump. Hey, hey. bump, Devin. Congratulations, <laughs> man. Yeah. Well deserved. Thank you, yes. Devin. I, I don't want to hear, sure. hear his name no more in Phoenix. Coco <laughs> 5, Coco 35. <laughs> Jack just starts randomly throwing out Cocoa names pie, and drinks. Coco, Coco, it's got to be something. Coco thirty-five, whatever it's it is be that something. you're doing, right? You pass the bum. You you pass the bum. Do you get the feeling that he that they don't like each other? They get along great on like they get like the show's great. It's the best on TV. Uh, but man, you get that feeling like Shaq just doesn't like him because um, Barkley's more popular. It's more popular. Yeah, I do. I I, I I would like to think that it's all good shtick. You and think it's so? All in Maybe good it fun. is. No, but I, but Maybe it is. Sometimes you watch that show and you do think Shaq's <laughs> just a little jealous of how beloved Chuck is. You know, and Shaq just kind of wonders, what do I got to do to be as beloved as him? So he's constantly trying to knock Chuck down a little bit, you know, because he just knows he's never going to be as loved as much as Chuck is. Um Back to Booker, and that was obviously a funny moment, and, and his numbers this series have been incredible. I hadn't thought of this angle until Kellen Olson wrote about it at ArizonaSports.com today, and I, this is a good, as good a spot as any to bring it up. This You mentioned this time three years ago, we're at your house doing shows in the middle of the pandemic, and, mm-hmm. and it was one of those, if I had said to you this, if I had said to you that. Let's not go back that far in time. Let's go back just a year ago, when the Suns were barely beating the New Orleans Pelicans and lost to the Dallas Mavericks, and Devin Booker won. Wore that, wore a lot of that in Dallas. You know, Chris Paul he was so bad in those last two games, right? Like he was awful in those last two so games. So bad. What is there a correlation? Yeah. Do you think between yes. how that series ended and what yes. we're seeing now? Okay. Sure. Because I mean, because because the so the the, ga- the game seven ends. You were the number one team supposed to be back in the NBA Finals. You get beat by Dallas. You're a joke on a meme. You're a joke on a meme. And you get outplayed by Luca. You play terrible at home, and like you got it. That sits with you all summer long. That's a tough way to have that sit with you. You didn't lose like on a buzzer beater, and you played great and scored forty. And you couldn't hit a shot. Like you couldn't help your team. And that, that, that you know, and then you got to show up with those guys, and you feel like you let everybody down. Like you're the supermax guy. You're the supermax guy. You gotta you gotta lead that team. Sure, that sat with you. Know, to think that that didn't sit with him. That, that he didn't have sleepless nights because of that. That when he was at the gym, that wasn't one of his primary focuses. Is to make sure that doesn't happen again. Yeah, I got to make sure that that doesn't happen again. I can't get outplayed by, by I can't get outplayed by Luca. I can't let my team lose game seven at home in a playoff series. I can't let my team lose when we're the favorites to win. Like, I'm sure that motivated him to take his game up another notch. I'm positive it did. Yeah, I agree. I think back to two years ago when they lost in the finals to Milwaukee. And, and yeah, they lost. Devin Booker played his ass off in those games. You know, when, when it was clear they, when it was clear that he was the only reason why they were going to win. And he gave everything he had and it just wasn't enough. He didn't, it, you know, team wise, yeah, they fell short. Individually, Devin Booker had nothing to feel bad about at the end of that postseason. He had played his ass off and established himself. Last year, it was a different deal. And and I was always surprised in the moment about how quickly people last year forgot about Devin Booker from two years ago in the postseason. Like they were, and it was a lot of it was the Luca thing. You're right. A lot of it was the meme. A lot of it was it's the last thing the you Luka remember. Special, right? It's just all of that stuff is like, oh, this this punk thinks he's going to fake some injury on the floor, look up at the camera, smile and wink because he knows the Suns are going to beat the Mavs when they don't. It was humiliating. I mean, it was. It was. A, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that Devin Booker wants to be great. 
Devin Booker wants to be a superstar in this league. Devin Booker is a superstar in this league. And he uses stuff like that the same way a Jordan would have done it, the same way a Kobe would have done it. Oh, really? I'm a meme. You're laughing at me. You're making fun of me. You're, I'm the reason why we lost the Dallas Mavericks. Okay, watch this. Well, there, there's no doubt. That, that's Man, you, you talk about what fuels guys that are at the elite level of Devin Booker. Stuff like that is lighter fluid for guys who are at the level Devin Booker is. Think about this. Think about all the great players that are playing right now in the playoffs. All the great players. That's, eight, that's 16 teams are in the playoffs right now. 16. Nobody is scoring more points per game than Devin Booker in the playoffs. It's insane. Not one. I know. He's at 37.2 points per game. So he is the leader in, the, in, in points. So y- you got to take that into consideration because this, this is about great players. There's so many great players playing in the playoffs right now. None of those players is averaging more points per game than Devin Booker. No. After the game, he said, I wouldn't change a thing. Definitely to the fact that, you know, I just I don't take any win for granted. I don't take any chance, you know, to, to do something special for granted. Um, you know, even, you know, just being from a young team to an established team now, <clears throat> it's just something totally different. Um you know, but I wouldn't change the, my journey for anybody else's. Look, he's... Yeah, because the... Look, one of the things I always remember about Book, when he got to the team, he, unlike Josh Jackson and Marquise Chris, they didn't just throw him into the starting lineup. He came off the bench. He didn't start until there was an injury to... Was it Brevin Knight? It was Bledsoe and Knight. He didn't start right away. Brevin like, Knight or Brandon Knight? Brandon, uh, Brandon Knight. Did, yeah, I go, said, did I go Stanford? You said Brevin Knight. Did I go Stanford right there? Brandon Knight. Yeah. Brevin Knight. Brandon Knight. Um, like those two guys were your guards. So he didn't come in and have to be like the starter right away. So he had to work at getting into his spot. I like that. They made him kind of work for it. Um, but the fact that he suffered so many years of really, really bad basketball has made this... It's 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 easier for him to enjoy it than if he had just jumped on a team that was winning all the time, and that's the norm. It means more. It means more because of all the suffering he had to do. Some guys jump on a team, and the team's really, really good, and like you don't go through the suffering that Book went through with this team for six years. Yeah. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, we'll continue our talk about the Suns and their series-clinching win against the Clippers last night, and we'll turn our focus to a guy who carried the torch in the first half. There's been a lot of conversation about this player in and around the Suns. We'll talk about him coming up here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Clippers. Now. All right, give me 60 seconds and I'll tell you about Suns Clippers and the latest thing we want to talk about with the series clinching win last night. I do want to pass this along to you because this is actually written by the gentleman who's going to be joining us in the next segment of the show, Jake Shapiro from Denver Sports. Apparently, Timberwolves star Anthony Edwards was involved in an incident that required Denver police involvement last night after their eliminating loss to the Nuggets. Denver police confirmed their involvement Wednesday that said that Edwards was cited for two cases of third-degree assault following the game. Apparently, and the TV cameras caught the very tail end of this, after they lost in Game 5, he sprinted straight off the court and into his team's tunnel. Apparently, he picked up a chair, swung it, 
struck a security guard in the back. Then the thrown chair also hit a second worker. A source confirmed the incident and said both employees were injured and asked to file charges. Wow. So Denver Police Department's Jay Casillas told Denver Sports on Wednesday, Edwards swung a folding chair and struck two women who were working at the time. Police say both women were injured, neither seriously. Wow. Denver police reportedly held up the Timberwolves bus following the game so that they could cite Anthony Edwards. So, like, bus can't yeah. leave. Hold bus on. Leave. Let's get on and got to cite this guy for this. Yeah, listen, I Ooh. mean, he, he played. He was, un, he was incredible. I mean, 42 points in one game, 36 in another, 34, 29. Like, he was, he was incredible uh, in the postseason. And I understand that... You know, in the in the heat of the moment, you want to let off a little steam. You want to get angry, but you can't do it where in the vicinity where you can hurt somebody else. Yeah, of course. Of course you know, yeah. you want to go punch a wall, punch a wall. You know, but like to throw a chair and hurt two other people, like that's that's going to get you in a lot of trouble. Yeah, and that's and I totally get the heat of the moment, and it's you're you know, angry, you're angry and your sure. team just lost, and it was a close game, and uh, I mean it sucks. And he did everything he could. He was great for the Minnesota Timberwolves, but throwing a chair and hurting. And two people got hurt. Yeah, that's that's not good. And by the way, uh, final from Chase Field: the Diamondbacks beat the Kansas City Royals by a score of two to nothing. He struck out twelve. He struck out twelve. They have four shutouts in Zach Gallen starts. He's got a twenty-eight inning scoreless inning streak right yeah. now. He's now uh, fifth on the all-time Diamondbacks list for longest scoring streaks. I believe it. He's first, and he's fifth. <laughs> he's first, Brandon Webb second, Andy Bennis third, Brandon Webb fourth. He's two away from pra- passing Brandon Webb for fourth. He is three and a third away from passing Andy Bennis and being third. So he, if, he does, if, he, if he goes three and a third the next time out, he would be first and third on this list for scoreless streaks for the Diamondbacks. Very impressive. Diamondbacks are now on their series record so far this year. They've won four. They've lost two. They've split two. Very good start so far for the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Very Listen, encouraging you gotta, start you for have the Diamondbacks. To, you have to beat the Royals. Yeah. You can't lose the series to the Royals. There's no doubt about that. That's a good point. All right, let's talk back to the Suns and the Clippers. Suns eliminated L.A. last night. Now they await Denver. And we'll get a little preview of that with Jake. He'll join us in the next segment of the show as that series starts on Saturday. It's going to be a series of Upon which much will be asked out of DeAndre Ayton. Durant on the drive. Durant goes in. His shot hangs but won't go. Ayton with the rebound. Keeps it alive. And fires it out on top to Paul. Back to D.A. Jump hook. Turn around. Good. Count it. And he's fouled. Two years ago when these two teams met in the playoffs, DeAndre Ayton made a real name for himself with how he played Nikola Jokic. Yeah. How good do we feel about that now after what we've seen in these five games against the Clippers? I'm going to say the same thing I say with DeAndre Aiden. I don't know. <laughs> I, I like I've been saying this. Like I, I, I mean, I like him as a player. I found I, I thought the oddest thing yesterday, and I don't know, I don't know if you agree. So DeAndre Ayton and you know, and Shaq kept saying you got to feed the big man to get him, you know, to get him involved with all the other things. So at the end of the first half, the Suns, um, the DeAndre Ayton had 18 points on eight of 11 shooting. KD was four for 11. Torrey Craig didn't make a shot. Chris Paul made two baskets. Book was good. He had seven baskets and 12 shots. He actually took more shots and made less than DA. DA was their best player. He was eight for 11. But in watching the game, I almost felt like when he's so heavily involved, it hurts everybody else. It just hurts everybody else. Like, I don't know that there is a perfect solution to having him involved a lot. Because he, there's only one ball. 
and Booker's going to shoot it a lot, and KD wants to shoot. So you had three guys that took between 11 and 12 shots last night. Um, but D.A. was the most efficient by far. He had a, Now, he didn't score much in the second half, and then it was all book and, you know, and KD. Mm-hmm. But I thought in the first half, I thought like his... You know, him being that active, I don't know that it helps everybody. It helps him, but I don't think, I don't think it helps everybody. I, I don't think you're wrong. I, I, I think you're on to something. I, I, I don't know where's the balance, right? Because there's, there's, there's got to be some kind of a balance with DA. And look, plus minus, it's, it's not the best stat in the world. Sometimes it's really, really flawed. It doesn't tell the whole story. It was really interesting to me that while he was the leading scorer for the Suns at halftime last night with 18, yeah. he was a minus 10 in the first half. Right. It was minus ten, mm-hmm. and and in a first half where here we go again. Not, and uh, look, not that this is all DeAndre Ayton's fault because it wasn't. I bet if I go back and rewatch the first half of that game, I'm going to find a lot of guards who didn't block their guys out. But the main story of the first half and the Clippers' nine point lead was those offensive rebounds and the second chance points. It was killing the Suns again they last had night. Ten more offensive rebounds than the Suns did at halftime. Yep. And what twenty one to five and second chance points? I think in the second half or in the first half it was, for the Clippers. You know, it's, yeah. like, it's like one of those. If I can get the version of DeAndre, where okay, eighteen points is fine. I'd rather you have. 10 boards and three offensive boards than the points. You know, like that's the trade off I'd rather. They out rebound. The Clippers out rebounded them 26 to 16. 10 offensive rebounds for the Clippers in that game. So DeAndre. 10 in the first half. In the first half. Yeah, talk about the first. This is oh, the first you said half. the game. I, oh, yeah, 10 in the first half. In the first half, the Clippers out rebounded them 26 to 16. And the Clippers had 10 more offensive rebounds than the Suns did. And. I mean, I know DeAndre wants to be an offensive player, but they don't need his offense as much as they need his defense. Agreed. They need his defense more because they have so many other scores. Now, there are times when you can, you can get him involved, and if he's got a good matchup, you take advantage of it. You try. But in this next series, in this next series... Man, his defense is going to be the key, not his offense. He's not, you know, you're not trying to go one for one against the Joker. You're trying to, can I prevent this guy from having a triple-double? Can mm-hmm. I prevent this guy from dominating in the game the way he's very capable of doing? This is uh, DeAndre after the game uh, talking about getting to play against Jokic. Oh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, you know, they're the best. And, you know, um, Suns basketball, we try to we want to compete and beat the best. And um, that's what we're looking forward to. And I know it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be a great series where, you know, Mono uh, play against Imano. This is, if there's one thing we've learned about DeAndre in the five years he's been here, he is, continues to be, and will continue to be, as long as he is here, one of the most polarizing players we have in the Valley. Because you watch a game like last night, and you were on social media, and so was I. Half the crowd was like, yeah, feed him the ball. This is what they should have been doing the whole time. Look what DeAndre does when he gets the ball. Man, he scored 18 points in the first half. And then there's the other half that goes, yeah, they were minus 10 when he was on the floor. Yeah. The, the, the Clippers are killing him on the boards. It's like he's, he, he's like this line in the sand with DeAndre, and you're on either one side or the other with him. I, when this ride is over, I'll be really curious to see what the Suns' intentions are with DeAndre Ayton this offseason and if there's a, an attempt to move him. Wow. I, 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 wow. I, I, that thought was 
ping-ponging around in my head all night last night when I was driving home from the game. Like, are they going to try to move him this offseason? Because it just, you know, what's the best optimal version of DeAndre, and can they ever achieve it? Or is this it? Have they found it? And is that Sign and trade money? with the Nets for Cam Johnson. <laughs> oh, my God. There you, you go. Sign and trade with the Nets. My daughter would be the happiest person in all of Phoenix. DeAndre to go play with Mikhail, Cam Johnson here. What do you think? Done. And Cam Johnson is so cute. <laughs> hey, you and your daughter both think he's cute. Let's <laughs> be quoting my daughter. <laughs> when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, now on to Denver for the Phoenix Suns. Game one is on Saturday. Suns in four? Uh, probably not. How different is this one going to be around this time? We'll head to the Mile High City to find out next on Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns nuggets now. And now it is on to round two for the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets. Best of seven Western Conference semifinals. And it begins on Saturday with game one in Denver. Game two is on Monday in Denver. Then, and the basketball gods treated the Suns well on this one. A nice little break in between games two and games three so they can rest up after all these minutes they're playing. Game three is on Friday. Game four is on Sunday of next week here in the Valley. And joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line from our sister station in Denver, Jake Shapiro. He is Denver sports analyst who covers primarily the Nuggets. And he joins us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Jake, I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Good, guys. I'm, I'm looking forward to maybe getting some more sun down there. We'll see uh, if, if it breaks right for me, if I can get out of the cold. It snowed last night, and I am done with it. Okay, yeah. we're, we're hitting 100 this weekend, yeah, we so hit come on down. You know, we're, we're doing a show outside tomorrow for this Cardinals draft, and it's going to be 97 degrees outside. <laughs> I'll switch with you. Yeah. Switch. Come on down. Have all the sunshine you want, Jake. We're going to have a crap ton of it for the next four months. Go for it, man. Hey. Awesome. Well, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, first of all, before we talk Suns Nuggets, what did you hear about that incident with Anthony Edwards that happened after the game last night? Well, it's funny. The Timberwolves actually just released a statement four minutes ago, and I'm um, talking with my newsroom right now on the side. Quote, we are aware of the alleged incident regarding Anthony Edwards following Game 5 in Denver, and we are in the process of gathering more information. We have no further comment. I, however, have the actual police report the citation that the police gave to me where Anthony Edwards has been charged for two different cases of third degree assault, a misdemeanor charge here in Colorado. Edwards, after he missed what would have been the game time shot in the game to put it into overtime, ran straight off the court, didn't do the shaking of hands or anything. And while in the tunnel, appeared to have thrown a folding chair and hit two different female employees uh, who were both injured, neither seriously. Wow. Wow, sad. Yeah. It's a sad situation for those people that got hurt. And I understand letting off some steam after you're frustrated. But, man, you can't do that around other people. I, let me. Do you feel like the, the – because here with the – we call the Clippers cockroaches. Like, they just would not go away. No Kawhi, no Paul George. Every game was a nail-biter. The Suns had to play all their starters 40-something minutes every game. It was incredible how hard the Clippers pushed the Suns. Did you kind of feel that way with the T-Wolves in many of those games? Even last night, I was watching the end of that game. These games came right down to the wire. 
Honestly, no. Uh, this was about as easy of a series as I thought we'd get with the Nuggets. They probably should have closed it out in four in a sweep had they not had such a poor shooting night and if Nikola Jokic just hits one free throw and if Mike Conley's bank isn't open on a Sunday like it isn't for the rest of us. So this could have easily been a sweep, gentlemen. Um, and games one and two were pretty much blowouts except for the third quarter of game two. Game three was about as easy of a road win as you're ever going to get in the NBA playoffs. So uh, game four was a lot tighter, or in, in game five was a lot tighter, and it seemed like the Timberwolves figured some things out throughout the course of the series. But overall, I think it was a good little five-game gentleman's sweep of the Nuggets. Nobody got hurt. They tried some things out, didn't show their hands, uh, and they saved some cards for some things that they're going to use against the Suns. Jake Shapiro, who covers the Nuggets for Denver Sports, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. It was uh, We haven't played it yet. I'll play it a little later on in our show. We have about six 60 seconds worth of sound from Nikola Jokic after last night's game in which he is just praising the Suns up and down. They're the best this or the best that. They're the probably favorite to win the title, et cetera, et cetera. Is that kill him with kindness or do you think that's sincerely how Jokic feels about the Suns? You know, it's so funny you mentioned that. I asked the follow-up question right after that, which was, do you care or want to get revenge at all for getting knocked out by the Suns two years ago? One word back, No. So he uh, does not think like that, guys. He doesn't think like um, in the way of like, you know, all the way the other NBA players and revenge and these great narratives and all these stories. He doesn't care. He shows up to work. He clocks in, clocks out, has his lunch pail. Like he's just a dude that does this for his job. His number one passion in life is horse racing. Yes, he loves basketball, but this isn't like some huge thing to him. Um, So, when he talks about the in-depth nature of the Suns and how he knows them and how he interprets them, that's from him doing all the scouting and him playing them before. He realizes it. Like, Nikola Jokic here in Denver, we compare him to a supercomputer because the way he processes a basketball game and all the information that's going on is just at insane speed. So I'm not surprised that he could rattle off everything that you know any real person could know about the Suns just at a moment's notice. How do you think, okay, so it's been two years since Suns and the Nuggets played in that Suns in four series. Obviously, the Nuggets get Jamal Murray back. Obviously, the Suns have added Kevin Durant. Certainly, there have been other changes. I don't want to say that that that, that is it. But from your mind, other than the mere fact that Denver has home court advantage in this series, what has Denver in a better position to be able to compete with the Suns this time around, especially given that they're the top seed in the West right now? I think the number one thing going back to that series is the Nuggets didn't have any spacing in that series, and nor did they against the Warriors a year later. You had guys like Marcus Howard, who's out of the league, Facundo Campazzo, who's out of the league, playing serious minutes at the guard spot for the Denver Nuggets. And in addition to the lack of spacing, you had three awesome wings for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, in Jay Crowder, Mikel Bridges, and Cam Johnson just using their length to clog the passing lanes. And DeAndre Ayton is so mobile for how strong he is that he can wall up Nikola Jokic a little bit. DeAndre's done just about as good of a job as anyone has on the back-to-back MVP. Now, all of the things I've said are completely irrelevant going into this series. Those three wings are gone, as you guys know. The Nuggets are one of the best three-point shooting teams in the NBA. Their guard rotation now includes Jamal Murray, who's a near-all-star player who we've all seen go off for 40 and 50 points. Bruce Brown's a really valuable piece for this team and was probably their second-best player tonight. 
uh, uh, last night off the bench. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, the guy who's won a championship and, and is an elite three-point shooter. Michael Porter Jr. is shooting 92.5% effective field goal in the fourth quarter through the five games of the playoffs so far. So this is an elite shooting team. These teams are going to be shootouts. And I think the other thing that doesn't get talked a lot with the Suns is they don't get to the rim a lot, and they also don't have a lot of rim protection. The Nuggets are a really good rebounding team and own the paint on offense. That's where they make their money. So that's where I'm going to see this Series 1, guys, is how can the Nuggets space and then take advantage of that to get inside? You see, I think the uh, I think the team that could beat the Suns is teams that can match up defensively. Denver's got a lot of size. They got a lot of size. You know, especially when you add, you know, uh, KCP and you look you look how big Murray is compared to Chris Paul. I, and you look at the Nuggets metrics defensively, and I don't buy them because Jokic overall is not a good defensive player. But I think that Aaron Gordon is one of the best at his position in the league. I think that Brown is a terrific defensive player. And I think you've got a lot of size. So I think that the Nuggets are better defensively than people give them credit for. Yeah, they were the third best defense in the clutch. Five minutes or less game within a couple possessions over the course of the regular season. So they were awesome when they flipped that switch and engaged late in games. And they've shown through the course of the playoffs when they really cared so far in games one and two, they won the first six quarters of the series. And then again in game six or game three uh, through those couple quarters, they were really good on defense. And as you mentioned, it's Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon is the X factor in this series. He's the guy most likely that's going to guard Kevin Durant. He's going to offer a lot of the Nuggets rim protection because Nikola Jokic traditionally doesn't offer rim protection. He more stops people from getting to the rim further away from the paint because he does have good hands and he is a little bit more mobile even without his athleticism. So I think the Nuggets are in a lot better position to defend all the pick and rolls they're going to see from the Phoenix Suns, which they just got toasted by in seasons past. And I know when the Nuggets beat the Phoenix Suns on Christmas Day, that was a huge demon they played off their back. Like that was a really big deal for the Nuggets. Is there, cause you're going to have to switch a lot because there are times you're going to have to trap Devin Booker and double him and try to get the balls because he's playing at a level. He's got more points per game than anybody in the entire playoffs. He's playing at a level that's even different than what you guys saw two years ago when you played him. How would the Nuggets, as far as a switching defense and when they have to get into rotations, because against Phoenix, when you've got, you, you know, when you've got to try to, you, you can't go single coverage on everybody, on everybody. How are they going to do that if they forced to double and try Trap book. And this is an interesting question because the Nuggets simply refuse to double or trap Anthony Edwards until the fourth quarter of game five in this series. They just didn't want to show that look. I didn't think they wanted that on tape. And Anthony Edwards toasted the Nuggets. He, he just was too big for Contavious Caldwell-Pope and a little too mobile for Anthony uh, for Aaron Gordon. So I think the Nuggets actually match up a little bit better with Phoenix. Obviously, there's a a lot more talent on the Suns, but you're going to see the Nuggets try to double, have Nikola Jokic meet the screener at the level with some backside rotations. And the Nuggets rotations in this Timberwolves series, when these guys were locked in, were flawless. And a name you guys are going to want to watch for is Christian Brown, the rookie out of Kansas who won a title last year. Yeah, he could shoot. He, 
He is a great shooter. He comes up clutch. He makes winning plays. And he is going to be a point of attack defender and a backside helper for the Nuggets. He will probably play a lot more minutes, similar to what Jeff Green did against the Timberwolves, because the Nuggets had to match that size. So I'm going to be interested in what happens when Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant are all on the floor at the same time. Because you have KCP for one, you have Aaron Gordon for another. Is Porter or is Murray going to guard one of those guys? Or are you going to try and stagger and get Christian Brown out there, Bruce Brown, or maybe even a guy you guys saw in Phoenix and Peyton Watson, who's a great friend of Kevin Durant, and he's a rookie. He's only played 75 minutes in the regular season, but he was really good against Phoenix in the two games towards the end of the year. All right, really good stuff, Jake. We appreciate the time, as always. Uh, If we see you down here, we'll bring you some of that sunshine, okay? Yeah, I was thinking about dressing up as the Suns and Four guy, but like Nuggets squad oh. and seeing what happens, you know? Man, <laughs> careful. I wouldn't careful. recommend it. I don't know if I'd go touching that third rail around here, Jake. I don't know if I'd do that or not. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, thanks for having me. Jake Shapiro from Denver Sports, the analyst who covers the Nuggets, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, tomorrow is the NFL Draft. But drafting players might not be the only thing the Cardinals are focused on going into tomorrow. We'll tell you what else might have their attention next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We welcome you back here to the Burns and Gambo Show on Arizona Sports. We have not forgotten that tomorrow is the draft. We have not forgotten that tomorrow the Arizona Cardinals, as of right now, have the number three pick in that draft and are the central part of every other rumor that comes out right now about what's going to happen in tomorrow's first round. There's still lots of different places they could end up. Do they go down to four? Do they go down to six? Do they go down to seven or eight or 11? What's, or your, what's your best guess right now? 11. I'm going 11 too. Yeah, that's my best guess. 11. My, my guess is that it's 11. And it's... And Although it's, my wife said, like, 11's getting married. I said, really? She's like 13. But no, she's really not. I'm like, really? <laughs> from, from Stranger like, Things. 11, she's getting married. She's not 13. What, what is she, like... T- I know, but she looks like 14. How old do you thought she the kid is? The actress who plays 11? Yeah. I think she's like 20? Really? One now? Yeah, I think so. 19. She's 19? Millie Bobby Brown. Millie Bobby Brown. Millie Bobby Brown. She, my wife told me she's getting married. I'm like, how's she getting married? She's like in, Ella, she's like in seventh <laughs> married? grade. Married? Married? <laughs> she getting married. She's in seventh grade. <laughs> God. When that show started, she was, but like, uh, it's been out a while. I like, kept on looking like she was in seventh grade. I'm I, like, jeez. I think it's going to be 11. Um, I think it's going to be 11, too. I think it's, I think it's, okay, if it's not 11, then what is it? Four. That's what I would have said, too. Boy, we've done the show together for a long time. That's four. We can read each other's minds. We we're, yeah, we're like just, eleven. Yeah, because listen, psychic in the, abilities. In the here. end, I'll take one extra second round pick and just move down one spot and still get a great player. I'll, I'll do that. I hope you can get more than that if you move down to four. I know, but I would rather. Ha- I almost would rather have that than the move down to eleven, pass up on all these good players, and you get like four extra picks. Yeah, so, but, unless it's your scenario. Where you three, first three first round, round picks. picks. Okay, like, okay. I don't know how you say no to it's that. It's the guy that gives you a million dollars more for your house than what it's worth. You're like, okay, sold. Yeah, it's yours. I, Take it. I suspect we won't know until the Cardinals are on the clock. Because I suspect that the whole thing this thing is going to hinge upon is C.J. Stroud and his availability. And, and kind of what do the Texans do at number two? The Texans, like for the longest time we were saying the draft starts at three, the draft starts at three. No, it doesn't. The draft starts at two. 
The draft starts at two because now the Houston Texans have done one hell of a job of completely confusing the marketplace in terms of what they're going to do. Yes. Nobody knows. No. Are they going quarterback? Are they going defense? If they go defense, which player are they going with? Is it Tyree Wilson? Is it Will Anderson? Nobody seems to know. Like, we just assumed three weeks ago the Texans were going to take C.J. Stroud or the, whichever second best quarterback was available. Now they've done such a good job of clouding our minds with all of this crap. I don't know what they're going to do. And therefore, I don't know what the Cardinals, what options they're going to have available to them. I still believe if C.J. Stroud is there at number three, the Cardinals will absolutely move out and will get lots of offers to do so. Despite his cognitive testing. Despite that S2 test Mm. that says he's not a very good decision maker or doesn't properly assess information very quickly. But that's not the only thing on on the tab for the Cardinals tomorrow. Could be possible trades. Yeah, D-Hop trade. Gasp, a Buda Baker trade? Now, I don't think that's going to happen. The Buda part, the DeAndre Hopkins, he's getting traded either tomorrow or the next day. Right. Um, but, you know, kind of the what do you do about Buda situation? If you're going to do something, you're going to do it tomorrow or Friday, right? So, Pro Football Focus, yeah, I think so. Uh, Pro Football Focus had the realistic draft day trades per Brad Spielberger. Hopkins goes to Buffalo. Cardinals get a third-round pick, 91st overall, and a sixth-round pick. So let's just stop there. It's not the second-rounder, but you get a third, and they throw in a sixth. Could, do you do it? Yeah. Are you at that point right now? It's like, look, I just got to take the best offer I can get. Yep. It's the end of the garage sale. It's the Josh Rosen. Uh, uh, I just, what, what yep. can I, I need the best deal I can get. The, the garage sale is over. I don't <laughs> want to take the bike to Goodwill. I get you, you, I put a price tag of 50 bucks on it for it. You're going to give me 10? Fine. You can, you can have take it for it. 10. Yep. Right. Because yep. you don't want to bring it back. Yep. So that's what pro football focus. Realistic draft day trade. Hopkins to the Bills. Cardinals get third round pick, number 91 overall, and a sixth round pick. Here's what they've got for Buddha. Realistic draft day trades. Booted at the Jaguars for the for a third round pick, eighty eight overall, and a two thousand twenty three six sixth round pick, two hundred second overall. So a third and a sixth for Buddha, and I you couldn't you couldn't touch that. You couldn't make me touch that. There's no way. I'm not doing it. Just because it's not enough or because you love Buddha so much? Both. Okay. First of all, they messed this thing up. This new GM, Monty Austin Ford, totally messed this thing up. Okay, here's his first big failure. Buddha goes to you in January, talks about a contract. I'm going to be, you know, whatever, or trade me. And you don't get anything done. And, and he comes out and makes his demands public that he wants to trade. Like, you should have, that should, that should have been a priority as well as the draft and stuff. So big mistake by Monty there. Uh, that, that's something you've got to address. You got to identify the Buddha as a guy you want to keep. Everybody said the right thing about Buddha, but then you don't, you don't address it and you make him get into the uncomfortable position of having to say want to trade. Um, now, whether you're going to be able to, you know, put the toothpaste back in the tube or not, I'm not sure. But if you are going to trade him, if you're at least entertaining, because listen, any team in the league that wants Buddha and feel, and, and hurt him say, I want to get out of there, calling them. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you get a great trade, okay, but a third round pick yeah. and a sixth round pick for Buda Baker? I'm not doing that. No, I. you know what? I'm not trading Buda either uh, because I, I maybe I'm naive. I still think that bridge can be mended. 
if I'm the Cardinals. I, I, I still think I, I can fix this if I'm the Cardinals. Yeah, a little counseling. It, it's going to take some money. It's, it's going to take plenty of money to get it right, a whole child. Lot of right, a whole lot of spending money. money to get it right, child. And yeah. patience and time. Yeah, it's going to take mm-hmm. all the stuff that George Harrison sung about when he said, I got my eyes set on you. It's going to take all of that to get this wow, done. This has been a Beatles theme today, it hasn't really it? Has. While yeah, it really has. While my guitar gently, gently weeps. Ringo, it don't come easy, and now this. Yeah, it it has been. But if but if I'm the Cardinals, I I have to fix this. I it's not going to take that long to turn this around for the Cardinals. And when I say that, it's relative to the NFL. It doesn't take that long to do rebuilds in the NFL. You can be up and running in a year, two at the most. I still I, I still want Buddha to be a part of that. I still need Buddha to be a part of that. He's my guy. He's he's my heartbeat guy. He's my soul guy. He's he's everything he, in that locker room. I need him around. Does that mean you're going to have to create precedent if you're Monty Austin for it by renegotiating a contract with a guy who's got two years left on his deal? Yep. That's probably look, what that hey, means. And yep, that's to, what you need to do. Look, to, to other guys who are, are like players who are tough. Some guys are worth that. You may think you are, but you're not. Like, Boot is a guy, like, you address that. He's got no guaranteed money left on his contract. None. So you get the, you, you, you should have taken care of this. Like, this should have, it should have never gotten to this point. I think we could all agree that's a mistake by Monty. That, this should have never gotten out publicly. You should have taken care of that. By the way, one last quick note from yeah. the Arizona Cardinals. Their voluntary mini camp today, I think, was day two of their voluntary mini camp. Zaven Collins, who played the vast majority of the time on the inside his first two seasons, is working with the outside linebackers and edge rushers so far this mini camp. Jonathan Gannon yeah. said, quote, we'll see, close quote, if Zayvon Collins remains there when the games count. That's a quote-unquote from Darren Urban's story. you get the story. feeling that the old regime just really didn't know how to line somebody up? Yes. Like, they're already moving Zayvon Collins like you guys had him in the wrong yes. position. I'm getting the impression that the old regime just didn't know. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers Red Hot Chili Peppers are headed to State Farm Stadium with special guests, the Strokes, on May 14th. That's a heck of a show. You can win a pair of tickets now by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. The 4 o'clock reset. Everything you need to know going on in sports. We'll tell you next on the Burns and Gambo Show.